G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Uh, So many of us have been following the progress of two of our favourite sons who are fast becoming some of the most significant Christian leaders in not just Australia but the world. And our guest through this coming hour, Martin Isles, who for five years became so well known to each of us for his work at the helm of the Australian Christian Lobby, he's moved on to an international platform with the large US-based apologetics and education ministry called Answers in Genesis. He joined Answers in Genesis earlier this year and has just been elevated to Executive CEO of Answers in Genesis. The other one of those two favourite sons I was mentioning, Ken Ham, who pioneered AIG Answers in Genesis and the internationally renowned Creation Museum and the famous Ark Encounter has made way for a new generation. And Ken's become known as the founder CEO of Answers in Genesis. But this hour, our special privilege to welcome Martin Isles, now in his new role as Executive CEO of Answers in Genesis. Martin, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's it's good to be back after a bit of a hiatus. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a little while, and clearly you've not been sitting around doing nothing in that time, Martin. Uh, give us a little insight since... Uh, The announcement earlier this year where you had joined Answers in Genesis, uh, then you began to develop all sorts of networks and on platforms and doing a bit of travelling around the world, speaking at some significant events. Give us a little insight here into what life's been like these last six months. Oh, it's been quite a whirlwind, Neil. Um, I got to America. Uh, People often ask me, how are you settling in? But uh, I've hardly been here is the truth. Uh, I've been traveling an awful lot. I've been speaking in many places, churches, and putting on events and various things like that, and uh, getting familiar with the Answers in Genesis ministry, which has been led by Ken Ham for uh, many years um, and is really a very large ministry with a lot of different parts uh, to it. Um, And uh, with all the madness of constant travel and various other things and writing a book as well, I might add, I've just finished my book just last night um, on on identity. So that's coming out as well. Uh, But in the midst of all of that, um, yes, uh, as you alluded to, Ken uh, and the board of Answers in Genesis decided it was time to appoint me to a co-CEO type role. Uh, Ken is founder CEO, I'm executive CEO. uh, And so uh, we are jointly leading the ministry at the moment. Well, we always love having Ken Ham on as a guest on this program. Uh, He's so full of insight and such an inspiration because of the things that he has done to enlarge our understanding of the Bible, uh, to bring the gospel to so many elements around the world. Uh, In some sense here, as you say, Ken's not disappearing from the scene. You're going to be called Executive CEO, and he's the Founder CEO Um, But there is a succession plan in play here. How do you describe uh, what's happening so far as, you know, there's movements because, hey, uh, even the best of us can't last forever. 
Well, I mean, some things stay the same and some things change, Neil. Uh, and one of the things that stays the same is that the answers are still in Genesis. <laughs> you know, uh, the word of God still is a word for every generation. The word of God still speaks into the cultural difficulties and the apologetic difficulties and the challenges of that Christianity faces in every generation. And uh, that stays the same. Um, but uh, Ken and I certainly have just a slightly different area of emphasis in our in our messages, although they both are answers in Genesis. Ken uh, really came to prominence through his um, very strong defense of uh, the, the Bible and especially Genesis uh, as reliable in a historical and a scientific sense. Um, and really my ministry in Australia and now in America over recent years uh, speaks of the reliability of the Bible and Genesis in particular uh, in relation to the social issues, the political issues, the cultural changes that are happening in our day. I think everybody understands that the world is changing. Our culture in the West has changed rapidly. We're dealing with all sorts of things that we didn't under, didn't have to deal with before around gender and woke stuff and sexuality issues and race politics and postmodern stuff and so on and so on and so on. And the people are saying, well, how do we contend with these things in light of our Christian faith? And uh, the word of God has an answer for this generation as well on these issues as well. It's like there are more answers in Genesis than perhaps uh, we once realized. People weren't asking, what is a man, what is a woman, once upon a time, but the answer to that question starts in Genesis. So Ken and I have slightly different emphasis emphases in our ministries, but we're both coming from an answers in Genesis framework, uh, and so it works together really well. And a really wonderful illustration comes to light uh, when you move into this succession role because, as you say, there's a different emphasis and uh, people will be very familiar with the thought that, you know, there's got to be some arguments. Did we come from apes or how old is the earth? And uh, there are some science elements uh, that are foundational to where answers in Genesis has come from. But as you say, this different dimension deals with the social and the political. And in some sense, that's been an area that's a little bit lacking when it comes to the creation debate. And, and so you're taking things to a new level here, in some sense, uh, even breaking new ground. Do you feel like you're breaking new ground when, when you start to tackle these things and from your new role? Uh, look, I feel like I'm bringing clarity in areas where there is not a clarity at the moment. Um, you know, uh, when the creation evolution debate was, was the central thing, to uh, that contest between uh, Christianity and the world. You know, the world would always charge Christianity with being unscientific, uh, with, uh, you know, being out of touch uh, with uh, what science has told us. Um, you know, uh, there was not enough people stepping into that space and saying, wait a minute, uh, what the Bible says is scientifically and historically true. And Kenham has always been uh, at the forefront of that debate and been the man to step into the breach. Um, I, I certainly feel like right now the area of greatest contest between the world and the church is the area of, you know, for lack of a better word, woke. Uh, if you survey young people and ask them uh, what is their greatest concern about Christianity, they will tell you it usually has to do with Christianity's attitude to sexuality or to uh, transgenderism or something like this. These are the issues of today that are threatening the... Uh, threatening the Christianity of the next generation, 
which are which the world is uh, holding up and saying, look, Christians are out of touch. Um, the Bible is against people. Uh, the Bible hates people. Uh, and there's not enough people stepping into that gap and really clearly and boldly answering those challenges uh, and equipping a new generation to be confident in their faith despite those challenges. And I really see that as a big part of my role. Uh, and um, I, I certainly do feel as though traveling across America and, and previously in Australia, uh, there is not enough clarity on these things. And people are searching for clarity on these things because they are the issues that they're worried about. So laying ground for the reliability of the Genesis account and uh, a fabulous team of well-qualified scientists have been doing that uh, now for uh, now some generations. Uh, we've been seeing the, you know, the, the, the coming and going and uh, uh, even the living and dying of some of those wonderful people who've gone before. But what this means is, in your role, that Christians are being introduced to how we engage in what is a very, very important battle. And some people might even say that there's a battle for civilization that's going on right now. There's a battle for the Western world uh, and what its foundations have been in Christianity. And so you take things to a new level here when you start to talk about uh, the way that you're dealing with social and political issues. And there's I no doubt there's going to be a lot of people who want to follow in your footsteps here. But uh, this different engagement, um, when I say battle of civilization, is that too, big a, uh, that too big a call or how do you see it, Martin? Well, I mean, that's where that's where the 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 pressure is coming from. It's coming from culture. Um, it's coming from a changing culture. It's coming from centres of power, uh, politics, for example, educational institutions, universities, uh, Hollywood, and the arts and entertainment. Uh, these people are sort of um, propagandists um, and enforcers of a new worldview of a new kind of culture, a new way of thinking, which is contrary to where we were, say, 50 years ago, which was basically a Judeo-Christian culture. And the Judeo-Christian culture generally respected the basic boundaries that God has set in creation. For example, it generally respected maleness and femaleness. Uh, it generally believed that uh, people were not uh, impossibly divided by tribe or race, that there was really fundamentally one human race, one human family. Uh, it believed that uh, marriage was good. It believed that children had to be at the center of society and protected. All these sorts of things. These are actually Genesis blueprints. These are boundaries and these are order that God has placed in creation. We also believe that truth was not something that we invent for ourselves. You know, no such thing as my truth. <laughs> There's no such thing as, uh, you know, doing what's right for me. But truth was something outside of ourselves. It was something higher than us. And again, that's a Genesis blueprint because God created all things. Truth comes from God. It is fixed. It is set. We submit to it. Uh, we don't author it ourselves. There was a respect for God's order uh, in creation on the whole, obviously, with notable minor exceptions. But the culture generally respected those things. But today, we are engaged in a rebellion against those things. Uh, this new culture, this new wokeness, this new political creed that's coming out of not just governments and politics, but is being promoted by institutions and education and so on, and Hollywood and pop culture. It is saying, no, no, the greatest thing is what you feel. And if what you feel is contrary to God's ordering of things and the way God has set things, uh, that doesn't matter. 
Uh, God might have made males and females, but if you feel differently, then you you need to exalt that and pursue that as the greatest thing. Uh, you know, marriage is irrelevant. You know, even though we're clearly made for each other to be married and sexually complementary and all that, it doesn't matter anymore. Uh, you can, um, you know, indulge your sexual desires as you please. There's such a thing called queer. Uh, we're going to reauthor all of these things. And, you know, racial boundaries are so profound that, uh, you know, we, uh, we're profoundly divided and we oppress each other and there's no way out. Um, you know, what's happening now with this woke uh, culture and this, this change that's upon us, fundamentally, it's a rebellion against really God's order in creation, and it's raising ourselves up uh, to uh, redefine what God has already defined, to change the boundaries that he has set in creation and, and author them afresh. And that's the kind of culture we're now dealing with. And Martin, just quickly, the size of answers in Genesis these days. I mean, people can hear. You've got a message, and the message is spreading. Doors are opening. When you speak into the space that you're talking about, people are wanting to hear. Uh, what is the answer to the craziness that's going on? How significant is the size of AIG as it's now growing? You know, you said you're traveling around the world. Um, give us an insight here into how big and how far spread the AIG ministry is. Well, I mean, the AIG ministry uh, is one of the largest um, evangelistic and apologetics ministries in the world. So um, the revenue, I think this financial year, be something like 160 million uh, US dollars. Uh, it's, it's got, um, you know, sort of 1500 employees type of thing. So it's a it's a large ministry and God has really blessed Answers in Genesis with uh, all of these resources and these people. He's raised up uh, so much talent uh, in the organization. And I just see that as God preparing the way to continue to promote the truth. Uh, from his word, which answers the culture of the day. Uh, we have curriculum designers and writers, uh, uh, an enormous publications, um, uh, suite of publications, online content, uh, DVDs, Answers TV streaming platform. We've got a school and a developing digital education platform. Then there's the two famous attractions, the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum in northern Kentucky, which attract 1.5 million visitors per year and so on and so on. And uh, it's, you know, it's a significant enterprise. And so it's a, a tremendous platform to be able to uphold the authority of God's word, especially to Christians, but also to the wider world as the answer and the foundation that we're searching for in this age of confusion and chaos. You know, Martin, so many Aussies have been following your progress here and uh, you've got a very definite uh, attraction, uh, almost magnetic. Uh, people just want to know what's going on with Martin Isles, but also what's happening in Australia. Now that Martin Isles is based in the US, but you still... In some sense, you're you're in charge of the Australian processes here. What's give us a, in a nutshell? What's happening in Australia with answers in Genesis? Well, uh, first of all, I still call Australia home, uh, and I don't think that that's going to change as long as I live. <laughs> so that's good. Uh, but Ken and I are both Australians, and we both have a special love of Australia. And one of the things we're doing at the moment is uh, re-establishing an Answers in Genesis Australia office. Um, and uh, Dan Flynn is heading that up. Dan Flynn uh, was my right-hand man in my former role, uh, and he's now the executive director of Answers in Genesis Australia. And there's another team of people who have also served the Lord in things that I've done uh, and served me at the same time. 
previously. So that's great and setting us up for a good foundation. And what we'd like to do through AIG Australia is in the education space, we want to come up with a Christian education solution that survives uh, the demise of Christian schools uh, and government regulations, which make it impossible for them to continue to operate according to their ethos. So an education platform is coming. But also we want to mobilize the people of God to live in a changed culture fruitfully for God. We want to give people something to do. We don't want to just look at the culture and say, oh, it's changed. It's no longer Judeo-Christian. Oh, it's become more like a Babylon culture in the Bible, the sort of opposing God and rebelling. Um, what should we do about that? Well, we need to be evangelizing because God used four people in Babylon to change things. He used 12 disciples in Rome to change things. We're still here. We can change things. So we want to give people work to do. We want to give them, we want to create an evangelistic movement. Uh, and so at the uh, Living in Babylon events, which are coming up, we will launch that. And that's the other thing we're doing is events to equip Christians to live faithfully for God in a changed culture, to give them clarity about what is going on today and what they can do. And those events are coming up at the end of February and March. Uh, livinginbabylon.com is where you can register. They're called Living in Babylon. Uh, and Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth are the cities we've currently got booking, uh, got bookings open for. And people can come along here, Ken and myself, be equipped, be inspired and also have an opportunity to answer the call. Uh, and uh, to join in with an evangelistic effort uh, in Australia today. Lots to talk about, and I'll get some more clarity on some of those things and for listeners to know what to expect in 2024. And as you say, end of February and March, that's going to roll around pretty quickly. And you and Ken Ham on the same platform in Australia. No doubt there's going to be a lot of different venues where people around Australia will be able to lock in with what you're doing. But hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Andrew, who is in Emerald in Queensland. Hey, Andrew, welcome. Good morning. Thanks for um, having me on, taking my call. And thank you, Martin, for everything you have done in Australia. Um, I just caught the end of that conversation just before, so I apologize if I asked the same question, but I, it's great to see that you're bringing this into the education system. My wife is a head of primary here, and she heavily used the Answers in Genesis stuff recently in her curriculum here in the primary school with... Um, providing evidence for the, the for Genesis and they had to do a scientific evidence and, and use resources to back up the discoveries for why Genesis is true. And um, yeah, you, you were very helpful there. But I'm actually in Bible college at the moment and I was wondering uh, if you guys are planning to do anything in the higher education section. Martin. Um, well, we actually have an answers research journal uh, and we have some uh, technical um, materials uh, that exist. Um, and so you can look that up and get the sort of higher level uh, stuff, uh, which is for people who might want to read uh, academic content. Um, in terms of the primary goal of Answers in Genesis, it's to equip the people in the pews. That's really why we exist. Yeah. Ordinary Christians, whether they be intellectuals or not. Yeah, go on, no, go on. The reason I ask, and this isn't the specifically the uh, Bible college that I'm in, but I'm in those circles, and some mainline denominations have been teaching their pastors uh, that Genesis, that the creation narrative is more interpretive, and they don't necessarily hold the Bible to exactly, for example, the six days. They don't 
think that that's correct. They can they think it's millions of years and so on. Um, and I was actually quite surprised and distressed it, to hear that. Some that I didn't even think would. So, uh, you know, pastors obviously need to teach the people in the pews, and if they're being taught rubbish, then <laughs> it kind of affects the, you know, the ongoing ministry. Andrew, there's a sense in which uh, this is very widespread uh, throughout Christian schools and certainly um, higher education. Uh, Martin, uh, anything further to add there for Andrew? Look, I just wanted to make an observation more generally to people who might be listening to this and wondering about Genesis and so on. Um, the current um, the current issues that young people are facing, the current confusion that they have, the current threat to their belief in Christianity uh, really is coming from the worldviews on sexuality, gender, identity, race, climate alarmism, and all these sorts of things. And this is relevant. Uh, all of those things really are tearing away a generation from uh, Christianity and really are setting up Christianity in contrast to our world as out of touch and having no answers. But the answers to all of those things are crystal clear in Genesis. But in order to see the answers there as crystal clear, you have to believe that Genesis is true. You have to believe that it really did happen. You have to believe that it is what it says it is, which is where the scientific and historical defense of Genesis has been so important in the past. To lay a foundation, to equip a generation to say, this is true, this matters, this is important. And it was that very equipping that enabled me to do a ministry in Australia, which dealt with the cultural and social and political issues of the day and had an incredible impact with young people. Because once you know Genesis is true, you see those answers that are relevant to our day. And so a lot of people in, um, in, in intellectual circles think that they can get away with pushing Genesis to the side and not addressing it or get away with saying, no, it's just an allegory, or it didn't really happen that way, and they don't think it's going to have broader impacts on the faith of their flock. And it is. I've seen it. My generation is experiencing it. It does matter. And whilst AIG, Answers in Genesis, mostly focuses on the people in the pews, and we see an awful lot of fruit there, we do find a lot of resistance from the intellectual circles. Um, that is what it is, sadly. It's always been that way. But I find that the people in the intellectual circles don't always realize what fruit that sort of evolutionary worldview is having today in relation to young people losing their faith over the social and cultural challenges to the church. Andrew, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Let me take you back a few minutes ago. Martin, you said something which was very, very important, I think, and I'd love to hear some more on your thoughts here because... When you said that at Answers in Genesis, you're in the education space because there is some level of forecast that there is going to need to be a foundation that comes beyond Christian schools. Now, that's alarming for us because in Australia, 40% of all of our schools are Christian, uh, independent, religious schools, and we know that there are threats that are coming against those schools right now, even as we speak. Uh, thoughts here from you when you say that uh, beyond Christian schools, is this a prediction uh, or is this just preparation just in case? How do you see it? 
Well, there is going to be a time when we are beyond Christian schools. I hate to be the bringer of bad news, uh, but I'm not someone who dwells on bad news. You know, even if I talk about the way the culture's changed negatively, I always want to say to people, yes, but it's always in times like this that God raises up a remnant and does an amazing work. How about we be part of that? You know, I I want to bring the solution to the table uh, and point people in an optimistic direction. And on the Christian schools thing, we have to deal with a negative reality to start with, which is that um, the government is going to change legislation in such a way that Christian schools are not going to be able to teach Christian ethics, Christian schools are not going to be able to enforce Christian codes of conduct, and Christian schools are not going to be able to employ Christian staff, and Christian schools are not going to be able to have Christian enrollment policies for the students. Therefore, in practice, Christian schools are no longer going to be very effective at being Christian schools. (laughs) That's just where we're going. And they're going to do it through all those little adjustments I mentioned. But ultimately, the fruit will be, it might be called a Christian school, but it really won't be able to function very effectively as a Christian school. And so that's a negative reality that is going to happen. My time in politics made that abundantly clear. This current government is more than likely to do it. If not this one, the next one will. Now, what do we do therefore? Well, we need to come up with an answer. And the answer that we're looking at at Answers in Genesis is creating an education movement uh, that enables Christian education to be available to families beyond Christian schools Uh, And the way we would do that is we would kind of uh, create a hybrid model uh, of homeschooling and collective instruction uh, with with professional teachers. And you can do that under the law within certain limits. So children are at home for some days and they come together to be taught as a group other days in local community cooperatives around the country. We would probably have professional teachers and we would have a very sophisticated digital curriculum platform backing that up to equip and resource parents and educators across the nation with biblical worldview, uh, science, history, and various other curriculum things, it would be an incredible thing. It's going to take a few years to put together. Uh, We're against the clock because of the changes that are happening in the legislation for Christian schools. But really, we want to create that announcers in Genesis, and we're looking for people's support to get that done. So engage in the battle to try and save the integrity of Christian schools, but there is plan B just in case it all goes to custard and it is having some level of homeschool curriculum and uh, beginning an education movement so that people can make sense of all of the confusing circumstances that we're going through. Before we take another call, just quickly, Martin, you've got a group of Aussie students arriving at the Ark Encounter uh, just this next coming week or two. Uh, what's, what is that all about? This is a program called Catalyst, Neil. It is for Australians. It, it takes place in December. Uh, we launched it just a few months ago. There were 80 places available. They filled up within just a few days. So we have 80 young folks, roughly school leaver age or university age, coming over here to do 10 days of worldview training, to volunteer at Christmas time at the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum, which is a great festive season, and to do a bunch of other activities. We're going on day trips, we're going on hikes, we're doing all sorts of things. So the youth programs continue uh, and registrations for 2024, December, are open and already nearly full. So arkencounter.org slash catalyst if you are leaving school in 2024 or in university and want to come along, um, this is for you. It's going to be a great time. Might put a new twist on Schoolies Week for uh, school leavers. Even, uh, yeah, to go off to the US and uh, visit the Ark Encounter. 
Hey, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Vanessa is in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome. Hello. Thanks again. What a fantastic program. And, and Martin, you're amazing. <laughs> Thank yes, you. that's all right. There's, uh, there's a nice compliment there. What else did you want to share, Vanessa? I wanted to share the fact that, Martin, you'd made a point just earlier about how, you know, facing reality can be quite doom and gloom at times. And, and our history, you know, with you in terms of listening to your Truth of It series, for us, as of so many people in that time, I know in Australia at least, you would bring to light in your series, and, and we just obviously just had the computer at home with our two teenage kids, and what it, what it does when you give people specific information and you redirect them back to the Bible is there is always a way out, and, and the truth in the Bible is bigger than any fear, any anxiety. And, and leading up to what, what you've just been talking about, and you're giving information. So our children alone, they're in a state school. We live in a small area anyway. And the woke is everywhere, and it seeps in. And, and coming from the other side, see, I've only started to read the Bible the last two to three years, and I'll tell you what, it changes your brain. Like I, it, took, it took me sometimes <laughs> two weeks to go through a few lines and it was zinging my brain and I'd have to put it down. And, and, and now I've just finished Genesis. So I started with the Second Testament and then now I've, I've started it again. And again, look, both of you, and, and Neil, you as well, I think it's, it's bringing these, you know, it's like reaching an arm to people that aren't sure or they're not, they're not sure of the way to go and you're reaching it out and, and it's being able to hold on to something that's solid, that you can do the work yourself for our teenage kids to, to look you up um, and great to know what you're doing, Martin. That's fantastic um, because reading is like reading the Bible transcends where you're from it transcends your history your background it connects countries it's a one language vanessa sometimes isn't it challenging and difficult to understand how god's revelation works when we are exposed to the bible but you're experiencing that martin have you got a thought for vanessa well, I mean, um, Vanessa said it so well. I mean, um, everything she said was, was dead right. And uh, I find that there's nothing I love more than bringing the scriptures to life as something that is supremely relevant to what is happening right now. It's a word for today. It's a word for every generation. I just love doing that for young people, for old people. It's my favorite thing. And at Answers in Genesis, I have got endless opportunities to do that. Vanessa mentioned the truth of it. That was a great joy to do that. Uh, There's two new programs launching now. I've just started one called Truth in 10, which is a thought by thought journey through the book of Genesis. I've just done Genesis 1-1 this weekend. The next one will come out and every weekend from now on. Uh, the other program that will be launching in the new year is a um, online video series called Living in Babylon, which is very much like the truth of it was, uh, where I take up what's happening in the world 
and then I bring it back to a biblical foundation and a biblical worldview and a biblical lens. So that's all coming down the line. And the events that we do next year called Living in Babylon in Australian Cities will be based on that exact uh, desire. And then, of course, there's my book. My, I'm putting out a book on identity, and there'll be a kid's version of that, and there'll be an audio book version of that because young people listen, they don't read, uh, and so on. So the opportunities to continue to put out resources are huge and ongoing, and it's been a bit of a hiatus because I've had a crazy year. I've moved all the way over the world and uprooted myself, and I don't say this because people get worried about me, but cities in 14 states and four countries in three months. So, you know, uh, it was a crazy time and writing a book and getting to terms with a new organization. I'm fine, but it's just been a crazy year. And, and all of this is now coming together. And as we launch into 2024, there's going to be so much tune. Follow my social uh, and you'll see all of that. Vanessa in the Blue Mountains, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Martin, you said you're coming to Australia end of February into March. Uh, have you got any idea how that's going to look? Because oftentimes when there's an Answers in Genesis event, uh, these things sell out way in advance of when the event is on and uh, sometimes filling quite big auditoriums, uh, full to maximum potential. Uh, any ideas how the tour is going to look? Living in Babylon is going to be something of the theme. Uh, what's it going to look like? Do you have any, any idea of which cities you're going to be visiting? Uh, yes, we'll be visiting Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth. We're going to the convention centres in each of those cities. We might put a Sydney event on as well. That's just sort of pending at the moment to see uh, how we go with the events that we've got locked in. Uh, and Ken and I will both be speaking. And the whole point is to bring the light of God's word to the darkness of our culture, to bring the clarity of God's word to the confusion of our culture, and to give people the foundations they need to have confidence in changing times, and also to give people an opportunity that is achievable, that's available, where they can actually do something, uh, something they can be a part of. We want to launch an evangelism movement and get people to answer the call to evangelize Babylon in ways that they can actually achieve, you know, <laughs> something they can actually, we want to bring people things they can actually do. Uh, and so that'll be exciting too. So find out not just what's wrong with Babylon, but how to live in Babylon. Uh, come along to those events. So I'm looking forward to that. It'll be Ken and myself. Uh, that'll be wonderful to be back in Australia. Let's take another call. David is in Maxville in New South Wales. Hey, David, welcome along. Hi, how are you? Very well. What are your thoughts? My th I spoke to you uh, guys um, a few months ago about, we'll talk, there was an article called like, Young Lady mentioned about global warming and things like that. Um, mainly global warming, which was what concerns me most. And um, how, as Christians, as I get around, I talk to a lot of people about different things because I'm a farmer and um, we talk about carbon neutral and different sorts of things and it gets me quite concerned because there's a lot of people, because of advertising, advertisement, um, and even Christians are getting, taking a hold of a lot of this. And I can be wrong. It could be totally wrong with this, I suppose. But it is a farmer, a fourth-generation farmer. I see that we've been pushed into believing that like evolution, you know, like the year 2000 was going to do what it, they reckon it was going to do and it didn't happen. Millions of dollars were spent. Um, <clears throat> the ozone lay, you know, that was a big thing. Maybe it's still a problem today. I really don't know. You guys might know a little bit more about that. But the one that gets me really concerned is, is uh, a lot of Christians taking a hold of um, global warming and, and 
I personally don't think it is. I'm a farmer and I've seen from a kid, you know, I've seen weather changing all the time. But David, David, you're old enough to have seen uh, changing weather patterns and uh, climate change may not be, uh, you know, it's not, there obviously are things that are changing and uh, I know that uh, creationists uh, deal with these sorts of issues in a really significant way when they talk about the Bible. Uh, but Martin, you mentioned earlier that climate alarmism is one of those things that becomes quite woke. Uh, what are your thoughts here for David from Maxville? Well, this is also something you see in Genesis 1 to 11. You see the answers to this issue. Uh, You know, at Babel, you had people who were sort of going their own way, trusting in themselves, making a name for themselves. And they were very frightened about their future. They were frightened that they were going to be scattered abroad across the face of the earth and be vulnerable. And, you know, God had just told and so on. They 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 were anxious about what was to come tomorrow because they didn't they'd lost sight of the fact that God not only made the world, but he had a plan for the world. And we're losing sight of that fact today. Our culture forgets God. And they forget the fact that he has a plan for the world. He has a timeline for the world. He didn't just make it, but it's going somewhere. And it won't fall apart until he's done with it. Uh, and that's why in Genesis 8, uh, 21, I think it is, he says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Uh, and that covers a lot of ground <laughs> in that little uh, statement. And when you have young people today being told that we've got 12 years left, we've got maybe 50 years left, you know, if we don't rise up and take control of the climate systems, which really are things that God has designed and ordained and are in his power uh, and his providence over the earth, if we don't raise up and try and take control, then the world is going to end. Young people are being told that and there is an incredible anxiety about the future, just like in the days of Babel that accompanies that, uh, because they can't see that God has a plan and that everything is ultimately safe. Uh, I always say to people, look, it's um, it's 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 great to uh, do good things for the environment. We might enjoy, we might preserve and enjoy national parks. We might get plastics out of the ocean. There's these sort of d- direct impact things we can do, which are doubtless very good things. But we don't need to get too big for our boots. We don't need to worry about the overall paradigm. We don't need to worry about the system, the continuance of the planet. God has promised that that is in his hands. And when I say that to young people in our worldview programs, in our teaching series, that really, really strengthens them. And that takes away that anxiety that the world is putting in their minds and the doubts that are being sown. Um, And I think that's super, super important. So David raises a great point. It is a mark of a godless society. But again, the answer is in God's word. And the reality is we know this because we look at history And even the evolutionary history and the long history that some people believe in shows radical climate change over eons, you know. And then, you know, biblical history shows climate change. Since the flood, there's been climate change more drastic than we see today. I mean, the madness to think that the little changes we see today are um, are going to end the planet when the planet didn't end the last time it happened. I mean, so we know this from creation and reality and we know it from God's word. And that is so often the case. David in Maxville, thanks so much for your call. 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join into our conversation. Just growing a thought or two beyond what David was sharing. Uh, The thought that fear is something that grips people. Um, You know, the alarmism, uh, a fear around all of the different dimensions that we might talk uh, about what is happening in the world today. But fear goes very much hand in hand with control. If you're looking to 
assume new levels of power, you somehow or other have to control the masses, and fear seems to be a very much a significant part of that. Any thoughts there? Because this is the sort of thing that David was talking about. Um, fear and control, Martin? Yeah, I mean, one of the things you often see when people forget that God is in control, when they do away with God and they make themselves God, um, what happens very because the world is beyond them. <laughs> it's it's so ludicrously complex. Uh, nothing is in control of it except themselves. And we're very small in the face of a big bad world of forces that are far bigger than us and far beyond us. And so people become very afraid when they have no God to trust in. And the result of that, as you rightly say, Neil, is that they do start to grasp for control even really ludicrous kinds of control, like trying to control the destiny of the climate. You know, we know from history we can't do that. Uh, there's far more drastic changes possible in the climate systems than we'll ever be responsible for. But we grasp because we're anxious, we're afraid. Uh, and it's interesting that if you look at the statistics, and this is in my book, which I've just been writing, if you look at the statistics, this generation, Generation Z in particular, is the most anxious and depressed generation that the West has ever raised, ever. And I think there has to be a very strong connection between that anxiety and depression and that forgetfulness of God and his sovereign control, and they grasp for control. But, of course, what happens then is you get people in politics who exploit that for power, <laughs> and then they start to come along and say, oh, yes, we can help you. We've got power. You know, we can control things. Uh, and, and then they step in on the climate thing and many other things where they start to say, oh, look at how we can control the world, vote for us, and then they exploit it and abuse it. Remove God, you get control, you get fear, you even get tyranny. Um, all those things naturally follow, and it's why we need to fight fear, which is always wrong. And actually, in Revelation, it reminds me that uh, those that uh, are cast into the lake of fire, the first category is not some terrible kind of sinner that you would imagine, but it is the fearful. People that didn't have faith in God, they didn't know that God was in control. Um, and so we, we've got to avoid that sin in our day. Fear and control and reaching a new generation who might be more open to the sorts of fears that you might bring. I imagine that when we talk about living in Babylon, um, we've got to be able to be referencing some of the main characters that we might understand as being real heroes. And heroes like Daniel and uh, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Uh, in a modern Babylon culture, uh, how do we get a few more Daniels happening in this time, Martin? Yeah, that's such a good question. And if I could articulate uh, the goal of Answers in Genesis right now, it would be that our goal is to help raise up Daniels in this generation. And what that means is we want to reach a generation with the truth that enables them to stand firm against uh, the pressure that comes from Babylon, from the culture around them, the pressure to uh, compromise, the pressure to go along with the world, the pressure to affirm wokeness and all these beliefs that are anti-Christian, uh, the pressure not to stand out from the crowd. Uh, you know, Daniel stood against that pressure. He drew lines in the sand and said, no, I won't compromise. No, I won't sin. I will stand apart. I will stand for God. I will serve God, despite the enormous cultural currents that were all around him. And he endured the good days. Sometimes he did the right thing and God rewarded it immediately and he had a great day. But sometimes he did the right thing and there was an immediate consequence and he had a bad day. 
<laughs> but the amazing thing that Daniel saw was that even in the bad days, like the fiery, his friends were in the fiery furnace or when he went to the lion's den, those bad days were actually days when his light shone the brightest in Babylon, when his witness was the most profound, and when God worked most powerfully through his witness. I mean, it was really a, those moments that brought uh, an evil king to conversion in Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and we need those Daniels to be raised up in the next generation so that God can do a work through them in this post-Christian society, in this uh, world in which we are living. And AIG, Answers in Genesis, puts out resources. They do education curriculum, books and content. It's my passion to do all this stuff, especially with a new generation. We want to raise up Daniels. We need a Daniel, a Shadrach, a Meshach and a Bednego in Australia today uh, so that God can do a work and God can have a witness in Australia. And we need to actually, you know what? We don't just need to raise these people up. We need to be these people. I mean, let's not sit around waiting. Uh, and that's really part of what we want to do. And as you said a little earlier, it's more than just the creation-evolution debate. It's more than just the politics. In fact, you were saying the changing culture, uh, Hollywood, the arts, uh, entertainment. So whatever sphere we find ourselves in, I imagine that there's something for everyone when we come back to some of these truths from Genesis. And for parents listening... Helping our children understand these things is going to be a, a really solid part of how you actually sustain yourself through the changes that are coming. Come back to the Living in Babylon tour that's coming next year, end of February into March. Can people book tickets yet? Do you know, Martin, or is that something that's still in the making? Are there venues already assigned, uh, tickets on sale, or is your team that you've really only just got recently established in Australia, are they working on that right now? They have hit the ground running, Neil, and you can go right now to livinginbabylon.com, livinginbabylon.com, and you will be able to book for the Brisbane Convention Centre in South Bank or the Melbourne Convention Centre in South Wharf uh, or the Adelaide Convention Centre there on North Terrace or the Perth Convention Centre. Uh, is it Mounts Bay Road, I think? I better get that one right. Uh, they're, they're, they're all available, all to be booked. The team has hit the ground running, um, and people can go to livinginbabylon.com, sign up, register go for it so uh it's going to be exciting to be there i'm looking forward to be back being back in my homeland and what a way to start 2024 and as you can hear the sorts of venues that are now being able to be booked you can get a ticket uh, livinginbabylon.com look forward to that uh, with ken ham and martin isles on the one platform in large uh, venues uh, no doubt they will sell out quickly and uh, my encouragement is for listeners uh, get a hold of a ticket and see that a travelling roadshow with the two of Australia's sons, uh, Ken Ham and Martin Isles, livinginbabylon.com. And, of course, uh, the answersingenesis.org website is one you can get a glimpse of the size of the ministry and uh, have a little bit of a glimpse, if you've not been so familiar, uh, with the Ark Encounter or uh, with the Creation Museum. There's lots of resources available, too, at Answers in Genesis, and you might even want to sign up for Answers.tv with unlimited streaming so you can watch anywhere in the world the content that's available uh, through your browser on any device and it might even be on your bucket list uh, to go along to the Ark Encounter or the Creation Museum and even, as Martin says, a team of 80 Australian students turning up to the Ark Encounter for an amazing experience through Christmas. 
wonderful getting your insights as always. And uh, we'll look forward to another, perhaps even uh, an opportunity before you arrive in Australia, Martin. But thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.